is Father, you are worthy of our praise. There is no one else like you. God, we lift our hearts of gratitude and our hearts of praise to you because you deserve it. Father, we long that our whole city, that our whole state, that our whole world would join in praise to you. God, that your glory would be lifted up, that your name would be known around the globe. Father, break our hearts for the people you love. Use us as your church to continue to reach a world in need of you, a beautiful, wonderful Savior. Father, would you soften our hearts even to your word this morning? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can grab a seat. Now, we are so excited about some of the things coming up this fall as a church. This week will be the last week in our Faithfully Forward series. If you've missed that, I encourage you to go back and catch up on the last four weeks. So we're casting a vision for the future uh, moving forward as a church together. Next week, we're really excited to jump back into our study of Acts. Brian will be preaching, and we start into Paul's missionary journeys. It's going to be an amazing ride as we take this adventure together. We also have some great fall classes that are starting up, and you can find more about those by looking at the fall session on the website. And our life group session is about to start next week as well as we study through Acts. So we uh, just are excited about what God is doing. This morning, as we finish up our Faithfully Forward series, we're going to be in the book of Psalms, chapter 90 or 67. So if you want to grab your Bible, you can turn to Psalms chapter 67. I'll share a little story as you do that. I don't know if it's the same now, but back in the day, 20 years ago, when you were engaged to be married, there was one little part of a ritual that you were going to join into. That was the wedding registry. I don't know how this works now because this is 20 years ago for me, but now you probably do it all online. But back then, you would go to the store that you wanted to register for, and they would give you this little scanner, this little gun. And as they're explaining this to me, I'm thinking, this is awesome. I'll take that thing. And so we get the scanner, and they say, just go around and scan the stuff that you'd like to add to your list. And I'm like, is this Christmas? What? And so we start out, and I'm like, Nerf gun, yeah. Pack of gum, sure. I don't know what that is, but okay. My wife's like, okay, slow down, slow down. So we start going around, and, and she's getting you know, blankets and dishes, and I'm like, power tools or video games or a video game console. And everything was going pretty good until we got to B76. And we're going down the aisle at B76, and we stop in front of a hard-boiled egg slicer. And it starts to hit me. Everything I scan adds to a bigger list. There's less and less chance that I'm going to get what I want. And I do not want a hard-boiled egg slicer. I'm doing fine with ramen noodles and canned goods right now. Why do we need an egg slicer in our, in our marriage? Plus, I would much rather have a video game than an egg slicer. I can slice eggs myself. Well, my wife and I enter into this discussion, friendly discussion, in B76, about why we need a hard-boiled egg slicer. Well, long story short, we get to the wedding, we start opening up gifts, and there is no video game console that comes through the wedding gifts, but there is another thing. 
a hard-boiled egg slicer. But there's one other thing that shows up on our wedding gift that was not registered for. It's actually this vase. And I didn't know it at that time, but this would become pretty significant in our marriage, in the way of life that we held. And I want to talk more about that. So remember that, and maybe remind me at the end. But before we go there, I want to turn to Psalms chapter 67. Now, there's a couple things that are helpful to know as we work through this psalm. This psalm has a pattern. It's a prayer or a song to be sung to the nation of Israel. But you see, it's a benediction. It's a prayer from their heart. And it's a poetic psalm, so it follows a certain chiastic structure, which just comes from the Greek word chi or he. It's just a letter that looks like the letter X. And you'll notice as we go through this chapter, it has that same pattern. So verses 1 and 2 are parallel to verses 6 and 7. And then verses 3 and 5 are not only parallel, they're identical. And then it's hinged in the middle at verse 4. And so I'm going to use that pattern as we go through this this morning. Psalms chapter 67, verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Selah. Now, Selah is there to allow us pause and reflect, and I'm really glad that it is at this point, because I can very quickly move past the words that we've just stated, but they are so important. May God be gracious to us. Always a starting point. God's grace, his mercy, his extensive graciousness in our lives. It was Spurgeon who said, the best saints and the worst sinners unite on this petition. May I never forget my need for God's grace. I don't deserve it. I didn't do anything to earn it. I certainly can't do my life without it. And yet, God lavishly pours out his grace in my life. He pours it out just as deeply and freely Today and tomorrow, as he did on the first day that I chose to follow Jesus as my Savior. Not only that, he goes on to say, may God be gracious to us and bless us. Boy, we get a lot of mileage out of the word bless these days, don't we? We see hashtag bless thrown up, which just basically, in essence, is somebody saying rich in fame, right? Absorbing the spotlight. When I was young, one of my friend's mom would always say, bless your heart. And we knew it was just code for you idiot because it would come right after we would say something stupid we had done. Oh, bless your heart, right? In Christian circles, we see people posting blessing. And I think they actually mean bragging, but they say blessing, right? They're posting the latest trip or the latest upgrade that they've had or, or the new thing that they've got. And I feel like that's the appropriate time to say the line from the Princess Bride. You keep using that word, but I do not think it means what you think it means. So what does blessing mean in this chapter? In the Old Testament, as we look at blessing, we see it show up in a couple different ways. One way, it'd be through covenants or through agreements that nations or parties would have with one another. And they would talk about blessings and cursings. The blessings would be the benefits of that agreement. The curses would be the consequences if you didn't abide or follow that agreement, right? So as a nation made an agreement with another nation or a party with another party, they would have some blessings. Maybe it would be a military uh, form from the other nation that would protect them. Maybe it would show up in economic ways. They could live in that land and they could produce crops from that area. 
And if they chose to break that covenant, that military would turn on them. They'd be cursed in that way. Or, or they would get kicked out of that land. Or they would get destroyed or annihilated. In this sense, as the psalmist is speaking of blessing, he's not speaking merely of just feelings. I want to feel blessed or a prayer for feelings. It's very visible, tangible favor. It's things. It's external. It's material in form. And we get a glimpse of that because of the parallel verse that's shown up here in verse 6. You see what it says there? The earth has yielded its increase. Or maybe your translation says it's produce. God, our God, will bless us. This is a prophetic statement of God's blessing. As a psalmist looks at the way that God has blessed them and will continue to bless them in tangible ways. The earth has yielded its produce, its increase. What's he mean? It means look at what God has given us. It's been a testimony to God's goodness. As the crops continue to flourish, as their livestock was healthy, as their families would grow, it would be even in the physical protection that God would provide from the enemies that surrounded them, that were watching them, seeing their lives, observing what was happening in the midst of them. Because these people had learned that they could do nothing without God. A lot of that learning came through their journey through the desert as they came out of Egypt and on their way to this promised land. Do you remember that journey? Exodus chapter 16 talks about this journey. And as they're going through it, every day they are daily depending on God for everything, for direction, for food, for water, And God in his presence would show up like a pillar of fire and a cloud to lead them and guide them, and he would dwell in their midst. And in the midst of this journey, they're hungry, and they start asking for food. So what's God do? He gives them manna. You ever thought about this? God could have given them anything. He could have given them some kind of beef jerky that tasted like leather, but he didn't. He gave them manna. And you know what Exodus chapter 16 says? It says that the manna tasted like wafers made with honey. Hmm. Remember the spies, they continue on this journey and they go to the promised land and they look at it and they come back and they report and they say, this land is amazing. It's filled with milk and honey. A sign of God's abundance, his goodness, a flavorful treat. In the midst of this desert journey, God blesses them with something sweet, because that is the kind of God that he is. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Our God is a good God that loves to give his children good gifts, blessings. But blessings are not meant to be enjoyed alone. Blessings are meant to be enjoyed with God. Did you get that? Blessings are not meant to be enjoyed alone. Blessings are meant to be enjoyed with God. Now, he says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. The literal pronoun that's used here for upon is actually with or among. May God make his face shine among us. That may start to trigger a memory for you. I feel like I've heard that before, right? So let's unpack what this means to enjoy God's blessing with God. If you want to turn in your Bibles, you can go to Numbers chapter 6. 
And on this journey, as Israel was going through the desert, God had given them certain laws that he had commanded them to follow, certain holiness uh, aspects within their life to show the holiness that he was and is. And as a nation, how they should stand out and be different. But tucked in the middle of this book of Numbers is a little prayer that God gives Aaron to, to the priests to pray over the nation of Israel. And it's a prayer purely just about gracious blessing. Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 through 26 say this. And the Lord said, spoke to Moses saying, Speak, Aaron. Speak to Aaron so that his sons... Ah, let me try it again. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance. It just means taking notice or granting favor. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Not just a lack of war, but a total well-being, a flourishing. This is a prayer that God has given to the priest to pray individually for the whole nation of Israel now. What a good God. What's it mean for his face to shine upon us? It's not tough for us to understand this concept. Oftentimes, as we look through uh, situations, we, we talk about people whose face, their face was beaming. It was lit up with delight. Right? Maybe they just got some great news. We just say their face was shining. They were so excited. Maybe they got a promotion or maybe something just happened. And their countenance reflected that. As we go through the Old Testament, we can see different terms for God's presence. His omnipresence, that he's present everywhere. But this is not a term used for that. This is a term that gives us a picture of a presence of God in a face-to-face interaction. May God's face shine upon us. It reminds me of my daughter. When she was young, she would climb into our bed in the middle of the night. She would just want to be with us, by us. And I remember feeling her little hands would reach out and touch my face because she wanted to make sure my face was facing her face. Pitch black, couldn't see a thing. But there was something that meant a lot to her for my face to be facing her face. And this God has his face shining upon these people. Now, that's a problem because God is holy, and this is a sinful people. God's countenance cannot rest on a sinful people. His holiness would incinerate them in sin in the way that a paper would incinerate instantly on the surface of the sun. The two cannot coexist. So how does this work? A little context that helps us because the phrase is talking about a personal relational presence of God. In this chapter, what's happening is this is a tabernacle service. The priests are leading the nation in a service to God. And part of this service was taking an animal and sacrificing it as an atonement, as a substitute uh, penalty for their sin, as a covering for their sin. So this has taken place in the service. And the last thing that they would do in the service would be have the priest recite this prayer. Because God delights in his people. In fact, in Psalms 147.11, it says, The Lord delights in those who fear him. But something had to happen. Remember Moses when he was talking to God on the top of the mountain? Exodus chapter 33. And God told him, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. 
And yet a substitute atonement was just taking place. An animal was killed, sacrificed on their behalf so they could have God's presence dwell among them. Now God still lived in the Holy of Holies. But one day, one day, he would send his son who would be that ultimate sacrifice so that he could not just rest and live in the Holy of Holies, but his very presence could dwell in you and in me. This is the kind of blessing and delight that our God gives. His blessing is not meant to be uh, enjoyed alone. It's meant to be experienced with him. Kind of reminds me of a friend of mine. It's a master chef. I taste his food and I'm like that. What about Bob seen every time? Like, mm, this is so good around the dinner table. It's like my taste buds just start to have a party in my mouth every time one of those flavors hits. It's incredible. He's an amazing chef. And he could call me up and say, hey, Josh, I want you to come and I'm going to make a meal for you and uh, see your family come pick it up. And I could go to his backyard and he could have the wood fire stone oven going with some bread in it and his, his garden that's been cared for beautifully and, and all those things. He could have a meal prepared in a bag and give it to me at the gate and I could go. Or he can invite me in the backyard. And I'm smelling the flavors. I'm seeing them in action. And as he cooks, he tells stories. You see him start to transform these foods in a way that I never could do. That's why I always stuck to ramen noodles. But he transforms these foods into incredible, incredible dishes. And as he's talking about it, even one time, he's talking about the bread and the recipe that he'd gotten from an elementary woman when he was in elementary from a woman because of all the ways that bread flavor would just hit his mouth in an incredible explosion of delight. And he would share about the story of this. And as he's cooking this, memories would unfold from his childhood at the smell of this food. And what if he invites us into his backyard and he sets a table around there and we sit down and we eat. And as we eat, we look and we see him smiling because the thing he enjoys to do is being enjoyed by us. This is what enjoyment looks like. So I want to ask you, are you enjoying God? Do you enjoy God? Not do you enjoy the thought of God, but do you enjoy the very presence of God in your life? The Westminster Catechism says that our, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Later, an author came and said, I think we need to change and, and, and change it to by. The chief end of man is to enjoy God or to glorify God by enjoying him forever. God is to be delighted in. He gives us blessings to join with us and watch and share in our delight. You know, one of the things, maybe if you find yourself just complaining, missing out, feeling like the circumstances are not the way that you want them to be, not enjoying God, maybe one of the things you need to do, put into practice, something I've been practicing the last couple weeks, is just being grateful for God's graciousness. Every time one little blessing comes your way, being grateful. And just saying, thank you, Jesus. This morning after I took a shower, I said, God, thank you for hot water. My wife went out to grab some groceries early this morning. She texted me a picture of the sunrise. Beautiful. I just said, thank you, God. As we sat down last night for, around some uh, incredible barbecued ribs, I looked at this plate and I just said, thank you, Jesus. Not just as a pattern of prayer before, but as a pure delight in God's goodness. What if throughout your day and throughout your week, 
you could start to recognize God's graciousness and just be grateful and give him gratitude. Because God's blessings are meant to be shared. But they're meant to be shared for a purpose. Verse 7 in chapter 67 of Psalms says this. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. The American Standard says it this way. God blesses us so that all the ends of the earth may fear him. There's a purpose in God's blessing. You can't invite others into something you're not experiencing yourself. So he continues to tell us that the connection of God's enjoyment and his blessing is connected to God's mission in the world. Go back to verse 2. Why does he gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us? That, or maybe your translation says, so that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. Why? So that he may be known and his saving power would stretch around the globe. As a church, we continue to say that we come together to know Jesus, to delight in him, to know him, to become more like him, to follow him. But it doesn't stop there. Why? And to help others do the same. Our blessing does not stop in our lives. It's meant to be shared and expanded outward. In fact, as we look through this chapter, except for verses 1 and 6, every verse says all people are all nations. God's plan is to continue to unfold this to the rest of the world. That's been his plan from the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 12, when he met with Abram, he said, I will bless you and I will bless you so that you will be a blessing because God's glory and his praise will be stretched around to the entire world. In fact, verse three goes on to say, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. In case you didn't get that, let me read you verse five. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. In his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, I think he beautifully describes what God's doing in this passage. He says this, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. He goes on to say, the goal of missions is gladness of the people in the greatness of God. And that All of history is moving towards one great goal, the white hot worship of God and his son among all the peoples of the earth. If you're turning the corner from God's blessing and graciousness into your life and you're seeing that his goal from that blessing is that you would enjoy it and that you would share it and you're starting to think, oh man, I got to tell somebody about Jesus and you're starting to feel a weight of that, you're missing it. First, Go enjoy and go back to what it means to delight in God because we are people that are hardwired to share about that which we love most. And if you're having trouble telling people about Jesus, check your delight in your relationship with God. C.S. Lewis was studying this passage. As reading it, he was having difficulty of this, this obligation to go and share the gospel from this until he realized we are creatures that are wired to talk about the things we love. He actually described it this way. Just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Isn't she lovely? 
Wasn't it glorious? Do you think that magnificent? He goes on to say, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. Did you get that? I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. Our ability to tell others about God completes the enjoyment, to tell others about God's goodness in our life. It goes on in verse 4. He says, Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the people with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Now think of the context of this. You've got the Israelites sitting there in the valley and all the other nations encamped around them. Why would they sing for joy? They're worshiping other gods. They're hoping that these gods will show up to give them goodness. They're always living in fear. Israel has the one true God. But he's saying in this verse that God will rule the whole world justly. He will set things as they are meant to be. He will shepherd those who fear him and who follow him. He is the king. And this would continue to unfold as we look back into Jesus coming to earth as king. And get this, church, Jesus will return as king. And every knee will bow before him. And we will realize because of God's graciousness, in favor of his son and sacrifice and offering to us a free gift, we can be glad and sing for joy. His message of hope has been extended to the whole world. We are blessed in order that we would be a blessing. So how do we do that? How do we cultivate that individually? How do we cultivate that collectively as a church? I think it starts with prayer. This always starts with prayer because it's not our plans. It's God's plans. Seeking out what God would have us to do. And I think one of the things we can do is just take a look at the blessings God's given us and saying, God, how do you want us to use this to continue to bring you praise and expand your name around the city and around the world. I'm really grateful this morning to have a guy named Jacob Erb with us. He's been on staff for a couple of years and he's part of our local outreach. And he's going to just share a little bit of some of the things we're praying about and dreaming about as a church in the area of local outreach. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Uh, cool. So like Josh said, I've been a part of uh, outreach team for a couple years now. Um, and it's been so cool to see how God has been moving in our city through Lincoln Brian Church. And, and we've talked a lot about our vision statement over the last couple of weeks, so it's probably starting to become ingrained in your mind. And that is a good thing uh, because we are a church that comes together to know Jesus and help others do the same. So, so as an outreach team, we think a lot about this last part. You know, how do we help others do the same? And it is our desire to see our city transformed into a place of flourishing. Now, Brian has talked a lot about this idea of shalom over the last few years. And if one thing should be certain by now, it's that this sort of mutual flourishing is only possible if we, a spirit-filled people, are intentionally pursuing Jesus and growing in a love of the Father. It's only out of a deep love of God that we are able to share in such a self-giving way. So as an outreach team, we are trying to prepare all of you to live missionally 
in whatever context that you find yourself. So whether you're at work or your school or the neighborhoods that you live, you are intentionally seeking to share the love of Christ with those around you. You see, that's the goal. We want to make Jesus known in every little corner of our city. So we do this by not only serving and doing good, but by boldly telling of the greatest good that we know, right? That's the gospel. It's you and it's me going out and sharing the gospel with those around us that will transform our city. And so one of the cool things about our church is that we have a rich history of doing just that. Sharing the good news of Jesus and being engaged in our community. So many of you here today have been a part of that history. You've served in our schools, in our prisons, you've helped to resettle refugees, you've worked with at-risk youth and teens. Just yesterday morning, a group gathered at our car care where they were able to help people in our city that had real felt needs. So the impact of these outreach efforts on our city are evident. But we are not content as a church to rest upon our laurels. See, God is continually calling us to reach out and not only pursue him, but pursue others. So we all know the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your uh, soul, with all of your strength and your mind, and then to love your neighbor as yourself. So this is how we will be a blessing to those around us. And this is how we will see flourishing come to our city. And this is how we will move faithfully forward as a church by going and living out and sharing the gospel with those around us. So God has blessed our church continually. And we trust that he is going to continue to bless us as we move forward in faith. And many of you are familiar with our car care ministry that has been faithfully serving those in our community since 2008. And what started in basically a two-car garage has grown and expanded as, as God has blessed the faithful efforts of those serving there. So in 2016, the car care ministry actually moved from the little two-car garage down to the middle of town, just down the street from City Impact, where we were able to rent a much larger space that helped us serve the city better. And, and perhaps the most exciting news is in just the last year, we as a church were able to purchase the entire building that Car Care was operating out of. So you're going to see it here uh, in the video. And so what you're looking at is 11,000 square feet of opportunity. Now we want to see God's name known in every corner of our city, and we're excited to see how this building will help us do that. Now, to be sure, we're going to continue to grow our car care ministry, but we're starting to ask the question, how else might God use this opportunity to bring blessing to our city? How might we be able to use this opportunity to produce and create flourishing in our city? Now, we know that a building on it, it, its own, a building is not going to create flourishing, right? That takes people. That's the church. That's the body. That's you. So as we come together to know Jesus, to become more like him, 
How can we use the opportunities that we've been given to help others do the same? Now, I'm so excited to see how God will continue to bless us so that we can be a blessing to all of those around us. Hey, Jacob. That just gives me so much excitement because that's just one area where we're asking God, how do you want to use us and use this blessing, this resource that you have given us, which is so incredible, by the way, that as a church, we were able to have this blessing in the midst of this past year. But there's so many other things that we're starting to look at and say, God, how do you want to use us? How do you want to work through us as a church? One of the other areas that we're praying about and we're excited to see what God has in store is we would love with all the resources and people and things that God has blessed us with to continue to multiply churches, to continue to plant more churches and to help other churches that are being planted become rooted. That's been a part of our church history from the beginning. I don't know if you remember uh, the first week in Stay the Church one of the little descriptions in the pamphlet that you were given was from our founding pastor, Kurt Lehman. And Kurt uh, was a church planner at heart. And one of the things that we saw in the early years showed up in the 25-year anniversary of our church. And Kurt said this, one of the most rewarding parts of the 25 years of ministry is dozens of our own young people who are now on the missions field, the pastorate, or some other phase of Christian ministry. Eight other churches have been started at that time, and others are soon to come. Church planting has been a part of this church history. We saw from there other churches be planted in Poland and in India, even right here in Lincoln and North Point. And we continue to ask, God, what other ways do you want us to multiply out as a church? Maybe some in this room will be sent out as missionaries. Maybe some in this room will join in a church plant that will expand out. We can't wait to see what God has in store. And so we are praying with open hands saying, God, lead us and guide us. And what you call us to, we will go. I think maybe sometimes we might need to just rethink our thoughts around evangelism. Rather than thinking of it as evangelism, think of it of sharing about that which you love most, which you delight in. And it doesn't become a burden. It's not heavy. It becomes a joy. It's like Heidi's story that was shared four weeks ago. You remember Heidi as she's sharing her story? She's growing up and she receives uh, a point in her life where she receives the gospel and it becomes real to her. Jesus becomes real and he starts to transform and change her life. And Heidi uses the things that she delights in, she enjoys. She uses the things of even horses and the company around it to be able to be an opportunity to share the hope of the gospel, to invite friends to know who Jesus is. And this happens. She herself comes to know Jesus, becomes more like him, and helps others do the same. This is the cycle that we are called to over and over and over again. And it comes through our delight in knowing Jesus and an opportunity to share more about him. Others of you may remember back at the debt-free celebration about five years ago as we walked all over throughout this building, just saying, God, thank you for the resource that we've given you. One of the spots was up in the balcony, still unfinished. There's about a thousand more seats we could put up there. And in the balcony was a rope 
in an opportunity with a bunch of ribbons. And it was to remind us that we're not here for just us. We gather for the world that needs Jesus. It was a reminder that the empty seats that we see around the auditorium today are not for space and for comfort. They're actually for more people to come to know Jesus, to become like him, and to go out and share this magnificent news. So we want to give you the opportunity. Many of you have joined us since that time. Maybe you've forgotten what names put up there. Maybe that name has come to join you in this auditorium and come to worship Jesus from that time. But as you leave today, in the hallways are uh, some opportunities for you to go and write a name of somebody that you are praying for, that you would long and love to see that person come to know Jesus. That God could use your blessings to be something that would bring about a blessing in someone else's life as they choose to follow Jesus and praise him. Because hoarding blessings for yourself is a sad, sad way to live. I think Jesus started to show me that. As I was just thinking about all the things that I could get and I could enjoy, he started transforming my heart to realize as he gives me things, he gives me them to enjoy, but also to spread the news about him. Remember my wife and I were uh, figuring out what it meant to be married. We'd open all our gifts and we have this picture. And he started to show us that our marriage was an opportunity, a blessing to be used for his glory. We started to have people over to our home. And I remember the first person that we were having to our home. We thought, ooh, what do we do? We have this cramped little tiny space. We've got this little table. Oh, we've got the dishes that we could use. So we pulled this out. And then we had this picture. And it had a lot of other significance in, in a lot of ways that we looked at it from our marriage. But it became an opportunity for hospitality in our home. We were proud of our picture. We could pull it out. It gave us the opportunity to serve others and to care for others and love others and bless others. And maybe for you, if you're thinking about how to bless others, maybe this acronym would help you as a place to start. Bless, be, begin with prayer. Just asking God how you could join with them and what ways he wants your life to be a blessing. The L will be to listen. Start to listen to the people around you because if you listen to them, and you ask questions, and you genuinely care to know their story, you'll start to find ways that you can serve them. One of the easy ways to listen is, E would be eat with them. Just have a meal. Join with them and have a meal and get to know their story. The two S's at the end would be serve. Serve them. You've listened to them. You know how you can serve them. And at some point, God might open the door for you to share with them. Share about this Jesus that you are delighting in. And that way, your blessing can bless the world. Jesus, we pray that our lives would be a blessing. God, we pray that we would find our ultimate delight and joy in you and you alone. God, we pray that as we walk through this week, we realize that you are with us, your presence is among us, that you are a gracious God. Father, help us to enjoy and delight in you. God, cause that to spill and overflow in our lives in a way that we just long to share that enjoyment and delight with others. Thank you for the hope that you've provided. God, thank you for your graciousness. You are such a good God. In Jesus' name, amen.